Welcome to Business Done Differently, the podcast about challenging the status quo, creating fans first, and changing the game in business. I'm your host, Jesse Cole, and it's showtime. Hey guys, I am back for another solo session today, the first of 2021, and I am fired up to first actually go back and to 2020 and reflect on this past year, and most importantly, the lessons that I learned for myself, for our team, working not just with the Bananas, but other businesses. There was so much to take from 2020, and I think so many people and companies are just trying to run past, get away from 2020, get into 2021, get into 2022, when things, quote unquote, go back to normal. Well, looking back on 2020, I think there are so many lessons to be learned, and and I can say this honestly, that 2020, everything that happened was the best thing for our business by far because what it built in our team and the resiliency and the grit and the persistence and the way it brought us together. And I think that needs to be highlighted. And so I'm going to share a a few of the crazy lessons that we've learned this past year. The one question that I get asked from more business leaders than any other, I think every single virtual keynote I do, almost podcast, Q&A, I get asked a form of this question. I'm going to answer it a little bit more in depth Next, I'm going to go into some of the lessons that I've learned this past month, which have been absolute game changers. And I think I haven't thought about them as much. And I've had some great mentors that have shared their lessons through this that has helped me tremendously. And then finally, I'm going to go into what's next. And we have a big announcement. It's something in February that will be coming that is going to combine a lot of effort from the Bananas, myself, and all of our fans. And it's going to be a completely new way of doing things where I'm going to work together with you guys listening and everyone I interact with to create something pretty special. So I'm going to tease that a little bit at the end, uh, get mentally prepared for what's to come. And that's going to be the show today. So I think we need to start in 2020. And again, I'm going to keep focusing on 2020. And my goal as a leader is to continue to bring it up and bring up the lessons because of what happened and how we responded to it. And I think that's key for the greatest leaders. You know, we all have challenges and adversities, but how do we respond to it is the real true test of a leader. And so first, let's just kind of go into the bananas and, and the state of the bananas, because obviously I am hands-on with this team. It's my baby. I love it. And I try to see everything and be the best leader I can for our team. And obviously I've learned a lot from the industry, but just looking at the bananas as a whole in 2020, we were a sports team, <laughs> still our sports team, more in the entertainment business, but the reality is a majority of our revenue was based on live events you know, bringing people together. And when you look at what happened in 2020 in the sports industry, that pretty much shut down for most teams. And so when I was told right at the end of the year, uh, 2020, by our accountant that, Jesse, I don't know how you guys did it, but you were profitable this year. I was blown away. And well, what do you mean? You're the owner of the team. You should know, you know, all that. And I've, I've really tried to not focus on the revenue as much. I've tried to really focus on the strategy, the plans, the people. And I knew that we were okay. I knew I wasn't having to go into my pocket and put money into the team. But to find out that we were profitable, he said, you may be the only sports team in the country. And and that may have been the case for 2020 because it was challenging. And the reality is we still took a seven-figure hit to our business from our top line. But we found a way to eke a little bit of profit. And I don't like talking about profit. I really like talking about impact. But I think there's some lessons to be learned there because 
in the sports industry, it couldn't have gotten any worse. And there's a lot of industries in 2020 that pretty much shut down. Some are thriving. You know, it's fun to watch those, but a lot got shut down and, and the event business was was definitely one of them. And so I want to put in a little perspective where we were to what happened and how we did that, because I know there's some lessons that hopefully we can grab from that and run with. So Prior to 2020, we had four straight seasons in the Bananas and fortunate to sell out every single game, around 125,000 fans per year, including playoff games and everything that we would play. And, uh, you know, this past year, we had to cut our our capacity in half and we were selling about 2,000 tickets a night. But only 1,000 to 1,300 fans were showing up because in the middle of a pandemic, you know, that that was their decision. So basically, we went from 120,000 fans to only 40,000 fans. You're cutting people in your stadium by a third. And then prior to the season, we eliminated all of our sponsorship at the stadium. We, you know, we went ad-free at the ballpark with zero banners, zero ads, zero program ads, which obviously completely decreased a dramatic amount of revenue. We also didn't have any concerts. We had some big concerts. Morgan Wallen was sold out in April for 5,000 people. We've had Kane Brown in the past and Luke Combs and John Party. Those were eliminated. So basically, we had a giant amount of revenue that was just gone. And so when this hit us in March... And we realized that this was starting to happen. The first step that we did, and I I know many businesses did this, but is we called every single vendor that we had and asked for help. You know, again, since we started in Savannah, we've paid everyone on time. We paid early for almost everybody. And uh, we asked, hey, can we have some help? And it was amazing. Every single vendor said yes. I remember some vendors, you know, literally even just waived payments for us and said, hey, we got you guys covered. Don't worry about this. You don't have to pay this month. And we started calling myself, our director of finance, our wife, Emily, our president, Jared. And it was like every day we were feeling like we were making sales and wins because, hey, you know, uh, they're going to cut this in half for us. They're going to push this until July. They're going to move this. And so for everything from like our phone service to our car leases, to talking to the league about their payments, we got a refund there to the internet to all of our food vendors. I mean, we looked at every single reoccurring bill and did this. And I'm gonna get to that a little bit later, but I don't know if we ever did that in the previous four years, but we did now because it was, there was no other options for us. You know, we were, we were running out of runway, you know, with zero ticket revenue coming in, zero sponsored revenue, which was our decision, but all of that, we started making those calls and it helped tremendously. I remember T-Mobile, we almost saved, I think $2,000 on T-Mobile, which is substantial. So the first step is, is obviously, how can you cut all your expenses? And, and, and we did that without changing one of our teammates, our staff members pay. Our first day when we went, we're at the stay at home, my wife and I, we addressed that, hey guys, you're all safe. I know one salary's changing, we'll find a way. And I think they believed us because obviously four years prior to that, when we were struggling and we ran out of money, Emily and I sold our house and we emptied our savings account and we were not paying ourselves, but we weren't going to let our people go that we go through that because we, we wanted to know them to know that they are safe with us. And so we didn't know all the answers, but we said, we're going to try to cut every other cost we can, but just not cut our people in any way. And so we stayed true to that. So obviously we got our expenses down, but still with zero revenue, we had to start finding new ways. And I think the next area we, we dove in on as a team, we said, all right, what are the new opportunities for revenue? And I remember just two weeks into the stay at home, everyone working remote, it was our director of operations who was with us for four years. 
at that point, he said, we have a bunch of liquor in our closet. I go, what are you talking about? He goes, we got a bunch of liquor in our closet. Slippery bananas are our most popular drink. Why don't we start doing a drive-through? And I said, Jonathan, is that even legal? And he said, yeah, you know, there's a new law in Georgia because bars and, and breweries and, and they're struggling. They can actually do to-go drinks. And he said, let's do it. And so we found a way. He made the liquor. He got mason jars at a smaller, at a, at a, and we bought them in bulk. I think we were buying out <laughs> Sam's Club and buying out Walmart to get mason jars. And we did 100 mason jars the first Thursday. First car was in line hours early, sold out, went to 250 the next Thursday, sold out in 25 minutes and went to 500 the next Thursday. And that sold out. And that all happened before the shelter in place was lifted in Georgia. And it wasn't huge, but you know it brought in some revenue that you know covered a payroll. And it was amazing. That was a new form of revenue, but showed that there was an appetite for something different from us. The next thing we, we did, which we didn't really tell many people about because it was done privately, but we filmed an online course for an amazing group at market scale in Dallas, Texas. They filmed the Welcome to the Show program with us a few years ago, and they really wanted an online course for their clients. So they uh, came and filmed an online course and paid us to do it. And that drove some new revenue that we never had before. And that was huge. The next biggest one was Bananas Insiders. Again, we set, we started questioning what are all those things that we can do to entertain our fans. And we felt all true to our mission. And we developed a $5 subscription model through Facebook where you could watch all of our games and you know where we, we vowed to have drones and mic'd up players and fans getting choose who's going to pitch and who's going to hit and unique behind the scenes content. And we did that and we built a nice little base of between 500 and 750 diehard Bananas fans who wanted to be a part of it. And that was, you know, we never would even thought of doing that in the past, but that was, hey, we need to try to get our games in front of more people. And then after the summer, we decided, you know, and as I mentioned on the, the first solo session uh, released back December 25th on Christmas was the fans giving game. We decided we're going to try to see, can we do year round games? And we hosted a, uh, a game in November, which was ridiculous. And we did a lot of things that were very silly and some bad ideas from myself, my wife, and how we decided to starve our fans for 66 minutes and then have a giant feast in honor of the pilgrims. But that game sold out in 24 hours, uh, social distancing, so a smaller capacity, but huge new form of revenue for us. And then we announced our One City World Tour and started selling group tickets to that in 2020, which was, again, a whole new market that we never touched. And, you know, those were the five simple areas of new revenue. So that was huge in the scheme of things because there was no, uh, none of that revenue existed prior to this year. And it wouldn't have existed if we didn't go through the challenges and adversity that we did to start March and April before our impending season. And then finally was a simple thing, and I think we all do it, is just improve your other forms of revenue that you've already had, your existing forms of revenue. And we looked at how could we improve every single area. And it's something that we, we do, but we, we took extra strides this year. Merchandise, every month we try to do something brand new we've never done before. And that was huge in the beginning of 2020, even before the pandemic with our first ever 24-hour drop shirt. You know, we sold over 500 of those shirts and the servers actually shut down because fans trying to buy it. That made January one of our biggest months and it's usually one of our slowest months. We started doing more timely shirts, Hawaiian shirts. We started doing a shirt that said uh, this S-H-I-T with apostrophe and you know all those is bananas for 2020. We made a shirt kind of highlighting craziness of 2020 and sold it uh, in two days. And we started doing all these things, looking at our merch, how to make it you know more unique, more fun and special. And also we had the impact of the TikTok effect, which you know when you develop 300,000 plus followers on TikTok and new young fans, you know we had our biggest month ever in July because we were growing by over 100,000 followers in that month. 
And because we were doing new things and a new audience, new people were buying our merchandise and our merchandise was growing at a higher clip than we've ever imagined. And so that was one big area of the merch. And then, you know, per cap in the stadium, you know, for people outside the industry, you know, you look at, you know, every one of your customers and what's the average potential spend that they have. And for us this past year, every single ticket was all you can eat. There were no other tickets, yet our per cap still went up $2 per fan, $3 in merch. So a little less in the food, but $3 in the actual merch at the stadium. And what we realized was it was a better experience because there were fewer people so people could get food quicker. It was that simple. And so we had started having better signage. We started, remember, we hung beer cans in front of different beer stations. So everyone knew when they were walking up what, what beers that they have. It's, it's a very simple principle, but in an old stadium, you know, we started really looking at every single station and how do we make it better. We looked at one station in the ballpark that was generating zero revenue, zero fan interest, and we turned it into an alcoholic slushy station, which dominated Jack and Coke slushies and all these other crazy slushies uh, that people loved. And it finally developed a whole new station. And uh, that really started developing revenue and, and making fans happy. And so those three things sound pretty typical in any industry. However, we put them on steroids in 2020. And, you know, how, number one, you know, how do you lower costs in every area you can without hurting your people? or hurting your vendors. And I think there, we built such a relationship with our vendors and because of our volume and because of where we're going, it didn't hurt them. It was a short-term working with us. Number two, how you always look for new revenue. And three, how do you continually look to improve and drive revenue for a better fan experience in every area, in every department? And so I look at this, these three steps should be done every year, every quarter, every month, every week. Why did it have to take a potential non-season and potential huge downfall and struggle and financial loss for us all to have to dig in to do that. And that's my fault as a leader. You know, we think about that. How are we constantly looking to improve every area, look at new revenue and continue to lower our costs that are non-essential? Simple. But I think a lot of businesses actually really got into startup mode this past year and because they were trying to survive. And I don't like that term trying to survive, but you thrive by looking at these three areas continually. And I think back to, I remember a great story by Jim Cook, the founder of Sam Adams. And he was talking about when he first started Sam Adams Brewery and he was going door to door trying to sell beer. And literally he was just, he brought a couple of cases. He was trying to get Sam, Sam Adams. This was way back before craft beer wasn't even a thing. And finally, he met the owner of a liquor store, Cappy's Liquor Store in Boston, if I remember correctly. And he was talking to the owner and the owner kind of said, you know what? Uh, well, what if I bought a, a lot more cases than everyone else? And Jim's like, well, why anything? And the owner's like, well, will you give me a better deal? And Jim was like, if you buy a lot of cases, of course, I'll get you a better deal. So he made a deal with Jim Cook of Sam Adams to buy 50 cases if he could get 75 cents off per case. Jim agreed, you know, that was a no-brainer for him. And finally, the owner of Cappy's Liquor Store said, hey, you know, Jim, you don't understand my business. I have the best prices and expensive rent, but I still make more money than all of my competition. He said, young man, I don't make money when I sell the goods. I make profit when I buy the goods. And so I thought about that and I've said to our team always, we make profit and have our financial success by how we are able to buy differently than anyone else. And I think often we always look at what we can intend to bring in in revenue and in sales and how if this many customers buy this, well, how do you hedge your bets as much as humanly possible? 
And we were forced to do this when we first started in Savannah and when our former team in Gastonia, where we had no money, we had to make every deal, every barter deal, every trade deal possible. And I think we were able to do that this year, even more so by calling every vendor and you make your money when you buy, not when you sell. And I think that was a big, big learning opportunity for our whole team. The next lesson with that is the new revenue. I learned from Built to Last, a great book by Jim Collins about 3M, the company that invented scotch tape and post-it notes. They're one of the most innovative companies of our time. And they have the 25% rule that they developed. And, you know, very simple concept, but each division in 3M is expected to generate 25% of their annual sales from new products and services introduced in the previous five years. So basically a new product, experience, service that didn't even exist five years ago, 25% of their revenue has to come from that. And they actually even upped that to 30% more recently and made it every four years. So when you look at that, it's like, hey, is the majority of your revenue more than 75%, 70% from the same thing that you've been doing for many, many years, or is it something new? And John Spolster taught me new is a way of life. And so when we look at those you know, new things that we developed this year, the off-season games, a one-city world tour, a Bananas Insider subscription business, Slipper Banana, new products. We also invented a banana cream soda, which we just recently had an order of 400 four-packs and have been selling hundreds of those. It didn't even exist. We didn't even think about it. And it was such a small bet, we were able to spend very little on starting it and launch it and ship it out and see if it works. And so I challenge as we move into 2021, what are those new areas? When you look in five years from now, how many new products or services or experiences are driving your fan base, your customers, and your revenue? And then the final lesson, obviously, from that is the continuous improvement. And we've been talking about revenue here because I think it's, I'm trying to get really peek behind the scenes on how we were able to be profitable this past year. But when you have a better experience, you drive more revenue. It's very simple. When you add more value to your customers, to your fans, you drive more revenue. And so I think most companies, they have different metrics that they're measuring, sales, revenue, profit, et cetera. What if you looked at metrics that matter to your fans, to your customers? And you know, I think what we were able to do this past summer with a lower attendance, so it was easier to an extent, but we focused on the speed to order, the speed of delivery, how quick could our fans get their food? We were looking at how many orders could we actually process and transact, have a tra- uh, interactions, transactions at each station? How quickly could we take care of them? And by taking care of our fans quicker, making it easier in our merch store to double our per cap in merchandise, it was very obvious. The merch store wasn't as packed. It wasn't a great experience in the past because there were so many people in there that it just wasn't comfortable. But by adding a whole nother station, we had three merch stations this year with a third less fans. And so it all works out when you think about how do you make it a better experience? What are those metrics that matter most to your fans? So I always spent a lot of time there on 2020, but I feel there's just so many lessons. And I usually just talk about fans and customer experience, but to dive into actually the revenue and how revenue growth happened this past year, it was those three areas. And it was a relentless focus on those three areas. And you know, it makes me smile to think that it actually worked out in the, in the end and that we were profitable, even though I'm not focused on profit on a year-end, year-end basis, but it does give us the opportunity 
to be able to do more things for our fans and more things for our people. So that's 2020, reflection in the past. I shared on the the previous solo session, our big vision for 2025. If you haven't listened to that one, go back to that, check it out. It's uh, It really is a big picture thinking, which was driven by the book, Vision Driven Leader by Michael Hyatt. It was so inspirational and I've never had our team more on board on where we are going. So that was fun. This was just a reflection on how the heck were the bananas profitable this past year? Well, there you have it. Those were the three reasons. Now, into the question that I get asked more than any other question, and it's not even close. And I've really thought about my answer over the last few years as I got this and started to really focus on it as we are going through this process. And so the question has been simple. Where do we get our ideas from? That's a question because creativity is something that many say is hard to teach. It's hard to foster. If you want to come up with new ideas for your fans, new revenue opportunities, new new all of this, you need to have ideas. And ideas have been a huge part of our culture. But I think where it starts is a leadership team that is obsessed with solving problems in their business. When I think about 99% of our ideas, they come from a potential problem or a challenge that we have in our business. Reed Hastings with Netflix says, you need to have relentless dissatisfaction, which sounds terribly depressing and unhappy. And I've shared before, Walt Disney said, whenever I used to go on a ride, I always asked what's wrong with this thing and how can we improve it? You can look at that in a negative way or you can look at that in an opportunity way. And for us, if you are constantly satisfied with everything you're doing, you're never gonna push harder to come up with ideas to make it better. And so we are not satisfied with the status quo and being in a 1926 older ballpark with not huge budgets, no digital scoreboards and not tons of suites at our stadium and not the assets that billion dollar, multi, multi, multi-million dollar companies have, it's easy to say, hey, what well, we're doing a good job with everything we have. But then I still picture that first person coming into our ballpark for their first time and feeling that I added a service because we didn't spend enough time in detail on the experience and every single piece. And so I think that starts the whole idea generation process is looking at every area of your business and start asking, you know, what are the problems? What are the challenges? What's holding us back from an amazing experience? And I'm not a huge fan into surveys for fans, surveys for customers. I know some people do hundreds and hundreds of surveys. I don't think surveys, you get 100% an honest answer. I think not everyone does it. I think it's uh, very skewed. And yes, I, I am more of the train of train of thought from Henry Ford. If I asked people what they'd want, they'd say faster horses. I don't think anybody ever said that they wanted an iPhone, an iPad, an iPod, an Amazon Alexa. I don't think anyone ever said that before they actually came out by asking, what are the problems? What are the challenges? What can your phone not do? Why is this the only way you can listen to music? Why do you have to have just a desktop computer? Why can't it go from a laptop to an iPad? By asking, what are those challenges? How do you make it better? Is how we come up with ideas. So that's a macro view. But look at, for us for 2020, just some of the areas I talked about before, we had challenges and problems. You know, we had no way to serve our fans. We had inventory in our stadium, like alcohol, the slippery bananas, but we had no way of serving without having games. So we said, how could we serve it differently? We questioned, hey, we have all these fans that now can't come to our games. How can we show it to them in a different way and make it actually remarkable? Bananas Insider. All right. Why 
do we not play year round? Why do we only play for three months of a year? If you get hit with a, a pandemic or get hit with challenges, you're done for the year, unless you built a model where you can play year round. That's where fans giving developed. So asking that question, there's got to be a better way. And when you ask that there's got to be a better way, it makes it really easy. You start asking the question, what if, what if, what if? So that's where I think the greatest innovation always starts for what are the problems in your industry? What are the problems in each department? What are the problems with how you are serving your customers and your fans? And that's how ideas start from. So you have to train that. Uh, and I hate the word train. I can't believe I just used that. A coach, teach, educate your team on how to be constant seeking out and falling in love with problems for your customers. That's why I hate talking about them so much, but that's why Jeff Bezos and Amazon, that's why they're doing what they're doing is they are obsessed with finding a better way. And I heard Jeff say in a book, he recently said, today will be the worst day of customer experience for our customers. He said, every day will be better. So right now you're experiencing the worst customer experience for Amazon. When you think about that, that's so obsessed that that's how they're going to get ideas and how to serve people better. So number one, fall in love with the problem. Number two, where do ideas come from? Have to get out of your industry. Have to get out of your industry. Have to get out of your industry. I am thrilled and honored to be able to speak to a lot of different industries. I don't speak tons in the sports world. I speak in other industries because they see, hey, maybe we can bring something from sports industry and what they're doing for customer experience and not just focus on best practices, but focusing on next practices. And so for us, reading has become huge. Uh, We have a big library at our stadium. Um, I have a library here at my house. Constant reading. First, we started with Better Book Club uh, many years ago where we'd actually pay our team to read. Uh, We still have that going. However, I mostly just use it to do book reports so I can remember the lessons that I learn in each book. Now we read books as a team. And I, I think that has been 10 times more powerful because it gets us all on the same page, seeing from the same lens. And many companies do this, but a lot of times it's easy to push this to the side. We don't have time to read. We don't have time to read. Well, we don't have time not to learn from others outside of our industry. And so in my opinion, when we started in 2020, we started first with reading Nuts, old school book from uh, Kevin and Jackie Freiberg about the Southwest Airlines and their story. I know everyone talks about Southwest, but they have so many correlations to what we're trying to do and create love and a great experience and have fun and humor. We read that as a team start the year. Then we read a book about Virgin and started looking at some of the crazy things they were doing. Then we read a book about a brewery called BrewDog, which is fascinating. They were, you know, they're still killing it all over. They're starting to become global and really about the underdog and fighting the macro beer business. Similar to us as an underdog, a little small team in Savannah, Georgia, fighting the way, you know, MLB and baseball is as a whole. It's still too long, still too slow, still too boring, and it's still too corporate. That's what BrewDog was fighting. So that really brought our team together. Then we read uh, Road to Reinvention by Josh because we're constantly thinking about how to reinvent. And then finally, as a leadership team, we read, I mentioned before, Vision Driven Leader. Those were the five books as a team. Now, personally, I'm reading two or three books in between you know, all of those. And But that's been huge for us to come up with new ideas because it brings new lens, a new mindset to see how other industries are doing, that we can take things from them and bring them to us. It's why we, we invest in new experiences. It's why how crazy it was for us on March 1st to surprise our team to go to Disney World and spend five days at Disney with our, our team and their spouses, significant others, because we walked through Disney and we got so many ideas that other sports teams aren't doing, but it's just seeing the lens and seeing how they do the openings of the park and seeing how they do the impromptu shows and seeing how they handle the line and how they have the food stations. I mean, that's the biggest parallel to us 
And so we got out of our just going to another sports event venue or going, we went to Disney and we've gone on cruise ships before and the same thing. And, you know, my wife and I, when I, when I was speaking, Emily, uh, when I was speaking last year in Vegas, of course, we went to every show, you know, the Blue Man Groups, but we also saw Absinthe, a really, really cool circus show. We saw all these awesome shows that you better believe I had 10 pages of notes because that's where you can get some of the best ideas. And so we have to invest our time, our energy to really put on a daily basis, what am I reading that's not just in my industry? What experience am I having that's not just a typical experience? And it can be going to new restaurants and checking out how restaurants are doing things if you're in the same uh, business as us. So that was huge. Third part of where do ideas come from? Idea Palooza Jam sessions have continued to be huge. It's something we've been talking about for years. Uh, even in my first book, Find Your Yellow Tux, it was in that. And Idea Palooza is usually on a monthly, bi monthly basis. We ask ourselves a question, something that we want to do. How can we entertain our fans 24 7, 365? What could we do to make our fans want to stay till the end of the game every night? You know, during the pandemic, we're at home. How can we entertain our fans digitally? That would be very unique. We ask these questions and we ask our team to come up with three. Three different ideas and we have a whole pitch session where everyone pitches it goes on a whiteboard we have yes maybe or needs work we never skunk ideas or tell them it's terrible if it's a bad idea we actually try to figure out how we can make it even worse and start laughing and then something usually comes out of that and then very important we say who is going to own that idea we put initials next to it. we create an idea champion because if you have all these ideas but you have no one owning it good luck the idea is forgotten it was talked about one time back in the day and then you never do it that's very important for us as we've learned to put an idea champion on it. And then finally, something I've started really paying attention to recently. If you have a great idea, keep it going. And it's not just by, you know, putting an idea champion. It's to keep encouraging it. And what I mean by that is a good friend of mine, amazing author, amazing speaker, Joey Coleman, uh, wrote the book, Never Lose a Customer Again. And we connected, I think it was four or five years ago, we spoke at the same stage and I was blown away. It was one of the best speeches I've ever heard. And it was all about the first 100 days. The first 100 days of getting a customer, how important it is to keep them engaged and to really be there for them. Because if you are there for them the first 100 days, the percentage of them that leave are very, very small. small. But he's noticed that a lot of, from whether it's banks, whether it's cell phone companies, so many leave uh, within the first 100 days. So what are you doing in the first 100 days? So I think that the same concept applies to ideas. What are the first 100 days of an idea? Maybe it's the first 100 hours. Maybe we even break it down even more. The other day, we talked about an outrageous idea, Bananas Bachelor, in a jam session. And we were laughing so hard. And when you start laughing so hard, usually onto something because it's a little risque, it's a little crazy, you're kind of scared to do it, but you think it could be unbelievable, then you know you're onto something. So we were talking about this whole Bananas Bachelor idea. You could probably guess where we were going with this. And immediately after the call, I text our director of video production who was leading the discussion. And I say, hey, what if we did this? What if we did this? I started building more yes and, and kind of building it up. And then the next day we texted a little more talking about it. The idea now is building momentum. And I think that's so key. The first 100 days, the first 100 hours after you have a good idea with a team. If you're a leader, how can you encourage it more? How can you text and say, you know, I really love where you're going with this. How can you give a call? Hey, I just thought of another idea that could go with this. Keep building it up. I think that is the key if you want to see great ideas implemented. And I hope that's more an in-depth answer to the question that I get asked so much. You just overall got to work your idea muscle. Work your idea muscle. And for the people that, that work out regularly, and I know gyms are different over the past year, but they're working out at home, they're going for runs. If you're running every day, you're in much better shape. It's just, it's that simple. So it's easier for you to run. 
I write down 10 ideas every single morning. I'm constantly looking for ideas. I can see a lens of ideas. So it's not just, hey, I'm not that creative. No, you just haven't been working your creative muscle. You haven't been working your idea muscle. So what will it take this year to, hey, maybe write down a few ideas every day. Think of a problem that your customers are going through or your team's going through, a problem in your office, a problem with your online experience, problem with anything, and say, what are some unique ways, unique things we can do? And start writing it down and then encourage it, keep moving, and finally just start shipping things because you don't know until you start shipping it. So there you go. That is the question I get asked the most. Hopefully that helps. And then finish here with two quick things. A lesson in the last month that I've learned. (laughs) This lesson uh, hit me (laughs) right in the gut. And because we've been so focused on our vision of where we are going, the 24-7, 365 brand that can make an impact daily and hopefully year-round, that... I hadn't focused as much on the who of the vision. And I bought the book, the new, newest Jim Collins book, B2.0. It's the Beyond Entrepreneurship 2.0 version. And it's a game changer. I think the book is worth gold in just the first, in the, the chapter two, where the title is Great Vision Without Great People is Irrelevant. And it's so true in so many ways. He always talks about who before what, who before what. Well, we've been focusing so much on the what, and we have a great team, an amazing team. Maybe we need to spend more time on the who. And Jim Collins in the book says, you need to track the number one metric. And he says, well, what is the number one metric? You know, even before in this episode, we talked about how we drove revenue. We talked about some of the ways that we were successful in 2020. But he said, the top metric, it shouldn't be sales. It shouldn't be profitability. It shouldn't be cash flow. He said, the top metric should be the percentage of key seats on the bus filled with the right people for those seats. He said, stop and think, what percentage of your key seats do you have filled with the right people? If your answer is less than 90%, you've just identified your number one priority. To build a truly great company, you'll need to strive for having 90% of your key seats filled with the right people. Wow. If that's not a uh, game-changing thought, you know I don't know what is because for us it's so obvious. But we get so focused on the strategy, the what, the daily things to keep in front of our fans that often the big picture of the who is not discussed as much. And you know I think he take, tells a great story about Jorge Paulo Limon who started 3G Capital and they ended up buying Anheuser Busch, buying Heinz, and buying Burger King. And Jim Collins worked with his team in the process of before they were all doing that. And he said, we have too many good people. He goes, I have to give them an opportunity. I have too many great young leaders and I've got to give them really big things to do. Never understand, underestimate the power of sustaining momentum. If you, how do you build a team where you have so many great people that you have to take on these big moonshots and buy companies like Anheuser-Busch, Burger King and Heinz? And what would it take to build a team where you have so many good people that you have to jump on every opportunity to be able to take care of them. That, I think, is the big lesson this month that I'm going to continue to look at as we build our vision out. How do you hire people and bring on people that are better and smarter than you? And I think Mark Zuckerberg shared that in Facebook. Hire people that are better and smarter than you and give them opportunities to excel in your organization and to thrive. So I think that was the big, big lesson for me this past month. I'm going to keep looking at those opportunities and keep surrounding myself with better people and uh, sharing that need that we might not have the capital or the money to pay someone big, big time dollars right now, 
But as uh, Southwest Airlines started with Herb Kelleher, he said, you're going to get paid probably half as much as what you would somewhere else at any other airline. But the opportunity is huge. And all those people ended up getting paid <laughs> a lot more than they would have in the other airlines based on the stock options and the success of the company. So that might be an option with us. So finally, finish with what's next. As I shared, we're going to finish. We're going to have a solo session next end of February. We're going to announce something big. We're going to be working with the bananas, working with the fans, working with my listeners here, everyone in my ecosystem to create something pretty special. I think it's going to have a big impact. It's looking at a way that people have done something in the past and doing it dramatically differently, openly transparent, putting everything out there and having fun. My word for the year is play. And that sounds crazy. That doesn't sound like a lot of play. But for me, I think it'll be fun. I think it's a new way of doing something, which always excites me. And so I'll be sharing that at the end of February. And finally, it's one more one more thing. I think I going into my inner Steve Jobs here. Every single Apple talk, he finished with one more thing. And it was this you know big kind of thing to add to his announcement. I just want to finish with energy. You know, I hear that a lot. You know, energy, energy. It's so contagious. Thanks for bringing energy. You know, <laughs> someone asked me, how do you how do you get energy? And I said, well, I just do things that give me energy. And I think if we want to you know, be a great leader, we want to do business differently, we want to make a real impact, you have to have energy to do it. It's so simple. One of my favorite books ever was Energy Bus by John Gordon. But you got to bring energy. So how do you do it? Just do an audit of, of what you're doing in a given day. I call it my energy list. I look at it. I know the things that give me energy are sharing, creating, and growing. And for instance, this solo session was sharing. It's also creating something brand new, and it's also growing and learning as I'm, I'm going through some of the lessons that I've learned. This hits the trifecta for me. What are your things that give you energy? At the end of the day, you feel fired up at five o'clock. You want to do more of it. You're not exhausted. Most people are exhausted at the end of the day because they've been running around doing things that take energy. What things give you energy? So I hope everyone can get started on 2021 by really focusing on those things that give them energy. Write them down, pay attention to them, do an audit. And I think you'll look back at the end of, end of 2021, a year from now and say, wow, I made a bigger impact, did more things I ever imagined I would do, and I was energized through it all. That's where it starts. So I hope you guys have great energy. We're already kicking off 2021 with a bang. And I can't wait till the next solo session end of February for the big announcement. Again, I appreciate you guys. Thanks so much for listening. As always, stop standing still. Start standing out. Thank you for listening to Business Done Differently, where we believe that challenging the status quo, creating fans first, and changing the game is the best way to grow your business. For more information about the guest and topics covered in this episode, visit findyouryellowtux.com or shoot me a note at jesse at findyouryellowtux.com. Until next time, stop standing still, start standing out.